Price, and you're listening to The Numbers Station. For today's episode, I spoke with Juan Ramirez, who is one of the chiefs at Iwas Temple Number no. 8 in New York City, which is part of the Temple of Thelema on its website at iwas.org, which is A-I-W-A-S-S dot org. They say of themselves that, uh, that they carry forward the traditions of the uh, ancient mystery schools to offer ceremonial initiation, regular practice, and association with like-minded companions, discussion, and a systemic training designed to lead to a profound level of self-discovery, self-fulfillment, and service to life. The program includes astrology, Kabbalah, ritual magic, and other occult studies. I've mentioned a few times recently um, this idea that Aleister Crowley was either an agent of or somehow involved in or employed by the British intelligence organizations, which is an idea that has, I think, most famously been articulated by Richard Spence in his book Secret Agent 666. We touch on that a little bit in my conversation here with Juan, but more generally, uh, we talked about the role of secrecy in secret societies, the practical and um, psychological functions of of maintaining secrecy today versus the ancient past and the different contexts where it has different meanings. We talked about Crowley's involvement in various occult organizations in the very early 20th century and the possibility of his real motives having something to do more with politics than occultism, per se, which is a position that Juan doesn't think really the most plausible explanation of Crowley's motives and personality. And we also touch a little bit on issues of privacy and secrecy and um, the sort of paranoid ways that whenever anybody has a secret or wants to have a degree of privacy for their community, the first instinct of uh, outsiders is to rush to conclude that they're hiding something bad and uh, plotting something evil, which has been the case with Crowley and his organizations and also um, Freemasonry and also Judaism. You know, I don't think of uh, Judaism necessarily as a secret society, but there is a certainly no shortage of conspiracy theories about Jews trying to uh, pull something over on everyone. And it's also the case with the CIA. It's a organization that has secrets, and out of the many speculations that abound about what those secrets might be, I think virtually all of them are going to um, proceed on the assumption that what they're hiding is something bad, I don't have any more information about that than anyone else does, but um, I'm just pointing out that the theories about the about the missing information tend to follow certain predictable patterns. So I'm very grateful that he came on to talk about Aleister Crowley and Thelema and secrecy within contemporary initiatory organizations like the Temple of Thelema or Freemasonry or the Golden Dawn. And I really felt like I came away from the conversation with 
a better sense of, I suppose, why there's secrecy in these kinds of, uh, in these kinds of secret societies specifically, and the sorts of transformations of consciousness, and psychological growth and spiritual personal transformation that might have been labeled as magic in a time and place not very long ago, you know, where we forget really how recent widespread literacy is and um, and really how recent, I suppose, is the possibility to reach out and get to know communities of people who are different from you or whom you don't necessarily understand or have all the information about. Anyways, I'm rambling a little bit, but uh, I'll let Juan take it from here, and uh, I'm very grateful he came on once again, and if you want any information about IWAS Temple Number 8 or the Temple of Thelema, their uh, websites are iwas.org, A-I-W-A-S-S.org, or thelema.org, T-H-E-L-E-M-A.org. Well, uh, I can give you a little bit of uh, background. Um, I my connection is basically with Temple of the Lima. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was uh, I was uh, I was in the OTO uh, for a while, but then I resigned. In general, the OTO is uh, part of Mas- It's like a Masonic, somewhat a Masonic organization. Okay. Um, not it is not like that right now because I'm also a Mason. Um, but the structure was pretty much, you know, taken from masonry. Mm-hmm. Um, the OTO was existed before Crowley, and Crowley um, reformed it. And so, I mean, I can, I can. I was just yeah, going to ask quickly I, I that uh, uh, Freemasonry is a secret society. Is the OTO and uh, is Tehuti Lodge also? Is that how you would describe them uh, as secret societies or magical organizations or? Traditionally, traditionally they're called secret societies. Okay. But you know, it would, it would, they wouldn't be secret if you know that they exist. Yes. Correct. Okay. You're right. Like, like you they, know that you know they exist and, and they have websites and and they have websites and they disclose you know their intent and you know Crowley published you know rules and how they operate and you know it's, it's published in the Blue Equinox how how is how the OTO like the mission of the OTO and how is the structure of the OTO what is expected to accomplish. Mm-hmm. So the only thing that is technically speaking secret is going through the like the the rituals themselves. Okay. And what is the purpose of the organization? What is its mission? Well, the mission of the organization, as Crowley, you know, rearranged the whole idea of the OTO when uh, uh, when he met Tilda Royce, it was to uh, promulgate. The law of the Lima. Mm-hmm. So, it basically, the vision that Crowley had was to empower um, people to understand, first to accept the book of the law, 
to uh, pretty much have an exoteric influence in society. I don't know if that's clear. Uh, basically, just to promulgate the law. And is the law is not a secret? No, the law is not a secret. Uh, I, I'm assuming that you've read the book of the law. Sure. Not everybody who's, who's, who will be listening will have read it, but some, right. yeah. No, but what I'm, I, I guess my point was going to be that if you read the book of the law, it's pretty obscure. Yes. So it's like it's, if you read it, you'll have more questions than, than is like, oh, this is what it means. It's like, mm -hmm. no, the whole purpose of this is that um, it kind of like kickstarts your spiritual journey. Okay. So it's not going to give you, I mean, it has answers for you, but you have to do your own spiritual work to extract those answers. And that's what Crowley wanted to, he was not interested in dogma. He was not interest, interested in, you know, an organization giving you all the answers. It was more like an organization will give you tools to for you to find your own answers. Because basically, just looking at what has been happening in the past thousands of years of religious organizations pretty much giving you like everything, you don't necessarily do anything. So, but also keeps you in a state of infancy, like a spiritual infancy. You don't grow. So um, part of the idea is that you have to your own have to go through your own um, uh, stages of of development, and uh, you therefore you start discovering. Uh, yourself. So the the premises are uh, where you're departing are always being the same. Like know who you are, mm -hmm. right? Um, that's all, and that's always been around, and that's the whole purpose of of doing this this kind of work. So what is the difference yeah. between uh, OTO and Temple of Thelema? Well, uh, the OTO, as I was saying, it was is a transformed. Uh, it started as a, a, mas a Masonic organization that was taken over by by Alistair Crowley. He changed pretty much everything. Like the structure of the rituals are pretty much Masonic, but I mean, I'm a Mason and I've seen both sides, and uh, they're very, very different. Mm -hmm. You know, the end result is absolutely different. Uh, I can recognize some some stages and some like things in, you know, of what's going on, but um, they're they're very very different. Um, Temple of Lima is um, golden dawn based. Okay. So the structure is different. Mm -hmm. um, so I don't know if. I mean that if you need more clarification on that. Is the purpose the same? Uh, in a very simplistic way, I mean, if I say like discovering your true will and doing your true will, yeah, sure. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the the technology is completely different. Technology. Yeah. 
like uh do you mean like uh uh what the spirit? process of mm -hmm. how you're 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 kind of going through a process uh-huh uh and the tools and the techniques that are applied for you to go through a process that's what is uh what we call technology and so you mentioned that you are no longer involved with the oto um but you are with temple of thelema and uh what is your role today within the temple of thelema uh, well, with the Temple of Thelema, I'm one of the Grand Chiefs. Mm -hmm. um, uh, the Temple of Thelema is structure um, like Golden Dawn. Mm -hmm. uh, and I am one of the chiefs of, <clears throat> excuse me, one of the chiefs of the temple here in New York. Uh, and, I mean, there's three chiefs uh, that oversee the operations in a temple. Um, I'm also a unordained harfant and a bishop. So uh, we had chatted briefly just about the, um, uh, I guess there are at this point just rumors about Crowley and his involvement in espionage. You know, it's something that I've mentioned uh, on the show before and uh, um, uh, you know, we we had just you know briefly started talking about it, and and I'm curious like uh, what you think about it, and and especially like I guess one of the uh, uh, points to clarify is is it kind of get I kind of get the impression that it's either or like either he was involved in espionage and all of his involvement in uh, I guess ritual magic or uh, occultism was just a cover for that, um, or. You know that was his his real thing, and and it seems like they can kind of both be true. Or um, I'm just curious. Yeah, I, I mean, I remember that we had a brief conversation about it, yeah. and I don't know if I have the answers that you're looking for. I think we talked about well, there's this uh, premise of him infiltrating the Golden Dawn and therefore uh -huh. like bringing it down. Um, I personally don't believe that that is the case. Uh, I think he was honestly, I mean, there were certain patterns already in the original Golden Dawn that were, um, they were starting, it was showing uh, fractures and dysfunction internally. And um, I think he was just a catalyst for these things to just accelerate the, the fall. Uh, basically, the second order didn't want to advance him, mm -hmm. even though that he has been, uh, he was, he was, you know, like he was, he was, uh, he had a uh, uh, Mathers go ahead, and you know, second order members didn't at that time. Mathers was in France, mm -hmm. working in the uh, in a new temple over there. And he instructed second order members to advance him into second order. He, they revolted, and they said that they didn't want, they didn't want somebody of that, you know, scandalous nature to be advancing to second order. So it was just, it was just, a, was it, it was just a shit show. Was it just his reputation or his like partying behavior I, I, or I, I you mean, know? It's, it's easy to, I mean, I I love Asakoli because he was just 
it was a little bit of like a troublemaker. Yeah. And I can totally see like him walking into a room. And at that time, he was he was very young. He was like he's twenty, so he was probably very cocky. He moved very very quick throughout the degrees mm-hmm. because he's very smart. And mm-hmm. and it, and he was like you know he was just not taking shit shit for it from anybody. So like I can see like. Stuffy old people with money not liking him at all. Yeah, yeah, sure. Like it just turned into like a like a one of the Crowley's criticisms was that uh, people that had money was advanced just based on how much they were contributing to the order, not on mm-hmm. their own merits, and not, not on their own spiritual development. Mm-hmm. Um, that was their own criticism. And on the other side, you have second member saying that this is not. A place to reform, you know, like rebellious youth and you know, crazy people like Crowley at that time. So I can see both sides, and um, I honestly don't think that. I mean, gets me to that discussion of that he was, he was a mall for destroying the Golden Dawn. Like I just need to go into that, um, you know. Point, I will need a little more than just. I think I think it's just too. Do you think much. it's plausible though that uh, he, that was his intention going in there in the first place was just to break them up? No, I don't. No, I think he was like intentionally breaking down the whole Golden Dawn. I don't think so. I think he was just more like he honestly wanted to be advanced because yeah. he did the work, and uh, people were making assumptions that. You know, they didn't like somebody like him. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's is is it was just a personality clash, I think. If I'm um, not mistaken, he also was rejected from uh, Freemasonry when he applied, uh, based on his. Uh, you know, they said he didn't have the moral, the upright moral character they were looking for. Or, you know, the same kind of idea is. Uh, that I don't necessarily know exactly. Mm-hmm. I know that when he went to Mexico after after the whole Golden Dawn imploded and ended up in the court, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it was just kind of ridiculous. Like they were fighting over furniture. Yeah, uh, that that was just like that. That was it. Like that's when the Golden Dawn pretty much kind of collapsed completely. Uh, so he went to Mexico, and he uh, reached out to Masons in Mexico. And uh, if you know how Masons operate, you have lodges, and you have lodges that uh, respond to the Grand Lodge. And Grand Lodges are the ones that are overseeing that you're performing the rituals the way they should be performed, to mm-hmm. be considered, you know, that you are following following, you know, what it's supposed to be. Uh, at that time, there were some things in the way they were doing ritual in Mexico that uh, London was not accepting. The end result was that he was not recognized. But he was granted in Mexico, he was recognized in Mexico, but not internationally, not at an international level. So it was. I think it was. It was just frustrating for him. Like he, you know, it was just. It was just kind of like too controversial. I think. So it got him in trouble. 
Yeah. <laughs> and so yeah. he he uh he did travel very extensively and he was, you know, uh especially in his early youth like involved in uh British um social circles that overlapped with the intelligence community um and you know there there's kind of a circumstantial case that's made for him uh being involved in that world but one of the most interesting and strange you know episodes i think in his biography is the time during world war ii when he came to america and he was writing like uh pro Nazi was it pro Nazi articles you know which it seems very out of character for him and um i guess you know the the argument that i've heard is that he was um i don't know trying to fl- uh flush out you know the people in america who were oh, you know interested in in those things i think for, that was you know. uh yes i think that that was briefly yeah um that that was briefly, but then he realized that that was that was pretty much uh, a mistake. In what sense? Like, uh-huh. It was sense that he thought like when when um, all of Hitler started to move, he felt like it was something important was happening, and there was going to come to a change. I see, but in a positive way. Mm-hmm. Like it was, it was not. It was not clear how bad this was gonna get. Yeah. Like he thought, like it was, he was thinking that this was gonna be a positive change for humanity, which ended up being the total opposite for that. Yeah. So immediately he realized that this was, this was, you know, it was a mistake, and and he opposed that. Like he started helping, then the British government. And so it sounds like you um, are saying, you know, Crowley was pretty much exactly who he appeared to be, you know, that he was pretty open and honest about what he believed in. He wasn't pretending to be something he wasn't for some kind of other purpose. No, he liked to impersonate things. Impersonate. I, I, I mean, you, if you know Crowley, he always wanted to be the center of attention, he traveled as Prince so-and-so, he was also trying, he was, he was a ham. Yeah. He was, uh, so, but I think you're asking if he was in a malicious way. Or, or if not in a malicious way, at least, like, uh, had some kind of cover identity, you know, that was not, you know, his true self, I suppose. Specifically for uh, taking like into account what I just mentioned yeah. that he was he was traveling as Prince so and so I as, you know the name that he was using when he was traveling in, you know through Egypt and he's, uh, is that is that including that or or not? I mean, I'm just saying like uh, he wasn't pretend like had, he didn't have a cover identity in the sense of like actually working for British intelligence and taking on a personality that had nothing I, whatsoever. I, 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 yeah. I, I can't say. Yeah. I mean, there's room for that with Crowley, honestly. Yeah, sure. If I'm honest, yeah. if I'm honest, it, it, it could be possible. I don't think he was, I don't think it was the main, like the focus of his existence. Mm-hmm. But I think if 
doing something like that will help his idea of propagating the law of the Lima to a degree, he will consider it. Mm-hmm. So I can't I can't say that he didn't definitely do anything like that. But one way or the other, you think his interest in <clears throat> occultism was genuine. Definitely. Yeah, sure. So yeah. I, I I feel like that might be an, a good segue to just more generally the role of secrecy in um, the history of magic or uh, the practice of magic. Like there there is a very very ancient. Uh, tradition of um, you know the importance of uh, maintaining secrecy in in, mm-hmm. uh, in that kind of work and um, right. what's that about? Why is it important? Well, there's um, uh, there's I mean we can talk about it from different angles. Yeah, sure. Um, there's a problem of persecution. Yes. Um, that you know. You have a Jewish background, you know that that's uh, that could be depending on the climate of uh, what's going on in different countries. You could be you could be persecuted and you know killed. And even today in uh, just, the Middle East, yeah, yeah. So it's it's uh, it's not new. It's been around for for for, for a long time. If somebody doesn't like what you're doing, uh, and they have power to, they they feel like you are a threat mm-hmm. to uh, society or to establishment or just by your ideas, because ideas can be very dangerous. Yeah, uh, and they can be disruptive to a certain establishment. So that is very you know, thing to consider, um, you know, one example is, uh, I was watching this documentary in Amsterdam and how Amsterdam was, basically New York is an extension of what Amsterdam was doing at the time. Like this, uh, they were at war with Spain mm-hmm. and Spain wanted to impose uh, Catholicism and Amsterdam, they just wanted to do business. Mm-hmm. They just wanted to thrive in business. So they they created a, a an environment of where they didn't care if you were worshiping or whatever. They had they had the rules to, you know, like there were certain rules that you were not allowed to do this or that, but they were not really enforcing them. But in the in any case, there are certain there are certain houses that were churches or synagogues that you will look if you're walking around on the street, you will see a house, a normal house, and then you come into the house and you see that that is not a real house. That is a place of worship. So sometimes you need this kind of protection from a hostile environment. So therefore, um, that's one aspect of why secrecy is is needed when there is when there is um, hostility and you need protection from that. Mm-hmm. 
That's one aspect. Uh, the other aspect is, okay, let's forget about the social element. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're going through, if you're going to start your spiritual process, uh, you're not at a point that you're going to be able to uh, process the the answers that are going to be given to you. So secrecy is a way of administering uh, your administering the, the the answers that you're going to be getting through your process. So because n- there's nothing wrong with the answer, it's just that if they're given in a context that is not appropriate, they're not going to help you. You're not going to get anything out of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Obi the Quran saying, you know. The secret of the universe is marshmallows. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have any freaking... It doesn't mean anything. Mm-hmm. But if I put you through a process where it gets you to that point and you discover that marshmallow is just a... It's just a symbol for something else, then you will get it. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? It's just it's just a way of administering um, steps, you know, bringing you to slowly through a process of uh, development. Interesting, interesting. So that will be in the context of initiatory process. Mm-hmm. Um, and that also goes with, if, if you are, like the first example was uh, a hostile environment and that you need protection from, yeah. you know, from a law that is unfair or whatever. But let's say that that's not the case, that you are in a welcoming environment, you know, nobody really is gonna mess with you. Um, It could be also for yourself. Like if you keep things that are sacred and also secret, uh, things that are sacred you keep them secret. You allow them to uh, develop in your in your subconscious. Mm-hmm. Um, the process of like a spiritual development is one hundred percent of the time dealing with the subconscious. The, you, what you're doing is you're learning how to to. Um, digest the ideas, the emotions, everything that is coming from the subconscious, because that's the way we communicate with uh, the divine through the subconscious. The subconscious. So when you keep a secret, what you're doing is that you're actually quieting your mind. Your mind tends to jump from one point to the next, mm-hmm. which is it's a tool. Like the mind is, it, it helps us, but it's not going to give us all the answers. And we need to train how to quiet that, because by quieting and, and secrecy is a way of quiet. It's keeping something um, contained so that it can work in your subconscious and then when it's ready you can you know you can 
understand it a little bit more. Is that is that too obscure? No, that's really interesting, and it also uh, like uh, um, I mean, first of all, it sounds like you're. Uh, pointing out that secrecy is primarily I don't know if primarily but one of the major functions is for the protection you know of the of the individual uh sometimes from uh, a community that actually does believe you know that magic has power for example or that uh that you're involved in something that uh uh is potentially harmful to them you know and they right. might you know put that might put you in danger right. um but then uh it also sounds like this the spiritual process you're describing um doesn't sound necessarily like uh magic in a, a sort of i don't know harry potter kind of way necessarily but it sounds more like a creative way of um working around your conscious ego for example or uh um uh, accessing you know parts of your um you know i don't know uh uh, being, you know, um, through through like creative ways um, that right. aren't that aren't necessarily anti scientific. Is that right. fair? So yeah. it, it, it's, it's like uh, when you, I mean, if you're if you're creative, if you're a creative person, I don't know if you do art or anything like like mm -hmm. the sort of you ever done some kind of art. Uh, sometimes you have an idea, but you don't know how to translate that idea into what is going to be and the more you talk about it the more confused you get so sometimes you need to take a break and just let it kind of grow but mm -hmm. just a little bit like is the same process is the same process you need to let your uh, your subconscious work and it will give you an answer uh, so that will be uh, the third the third um, point of secrecy uh, of course there is the negative aspect of secrecy and this is like what I think most of the time people focus on which is secrecy is dangerous like if you're mm -hmm. if I don't know what you're doing yeah you're doing something bad right and if I can't understand what you're doing it means that you're something doing something that is evil right and we need to know everything that you are doing and understand everything that you're doing so that make sure that you're not conspiring or you're not plotting or etc. Mm -hmm. That is based on on fear uh, and control and mistrust. Certainly. Which is pretty much goes to like it feeds the first point that we were talking about. Right. If I don't understand what the Jews are doing, they're probably plotting to take over the world. Yeah. And you know, if I don't, I don't understand why they're dressing that way. It means that they are part of this evil, you know, community of something. The same goes with you know, workers. You know, why is that? You know, like, women are being oppressed by this. Like, I don't understand that. I can't see their face. Mm -hmm. Starts spiraling into this whole bunch of projections and fears, and it it's not healthy. Yeah. I mean, I think that at some point you, you need to know that, you know, you're, there's nothing going on. It, it's, it's, a difficult, it's a difficult balance there. 
because yes, I understand that. For example, I think you're coming from a point of view of like, uh, or you want to know like uh, you know what governments should do in terms of preventing terrorist attacks. It's it's hard. It's I understand that there's it's always a possibility that there's evil. There's always going to be evil in the world, and there's going to be evil people. They're going to plot and try to destroy. I understand. And it's always... I don't know if we have the scope in this uh, conversation to go into that part of, like, the fourth part, which is um, secrecy in terms of um, a veil to destruction, like how you're going to bring down governments, how right. you're going to bring, how are you going to come, you know, conspire, and what needs to be done. That's that's interesting, because, and there's a lot of projections. There's, you know, the moment you, you know, Masons have been accused of, of that, you know, Jews are accused of that, Muslims are accused of that. It's just, you name it, like, nobody's pretty much safe. So it sounds like the, the um, secrecy issue also becomes a privacy issue and uh, uh, questions of, you know, does everything private necessarily mean you're hiding something, you know, and hiding something because it's bad. You know, that sounds like there's kind of a knee-jerk reaction, but uh, um, just on a, like, personal spiritual development level, it kind of sounds like also you're... Uh, that, uh, that secrecy could serve a purpose of, you know, kind of creating a gap where you have this private self that's just yours and that isn't always, you know, on display for everybody and it isn't like social in that sense of uh um you know mm-hmm. open access to everybody you know like the, the just having a self that has some degree of like is just for you that Correct. that that just strikes me as one other you know outcome of of being able to keep a secret in the first place which I'm I've never been really good at yeah and I think uh, now with uh, social media and yeah. how I mean, I'm old enough to remember, you know, a world without cell phones and smartphones and, you know, Facebook and Twitters and Instagram. And you didn't have to be available 24-7 for everybody. Like, you know, you have a phone call and, like, you're supposed to answer. Like, your email is in your phone, so you're constantly checking your emails, your messages. You're, you know, posting to Instagram who's following you, who's not following you. Like, it's just a constant stream of, Distraction and it's harder and harder. I think it's going to become even more schizophrenic trying to keep up with this. And, and let's just be honest when you are on social media, you're not necessarily honest about yourself. Like you want to, you create some kind of persona that is, you know, like you want to be liked, you want to be, you want, you want to be appreciated and you. So you're you're creating this idea of you, and 
and then you have the true you that is not that. And it just becomes harder for you to really understand who you really are. And for if you're doing a spiritual work, you have to take that into account. Like you have to go into like why are you doing all this? And it's nothing there's nothing wrong with it. It's, it's as long as you are aware of what is happening. But what I'm saying is like I had perhaps the advantage of seeing a world without this constant vortex of, you know, information and demanding your attention all the time and on the other hand, like not having a payphone around for like twenty blocks. Yeah. And like mm-hmm. not having a quarter. So I don't know. Um this is a world that we have and it's gonna be it's gonna be it and it's not going away. So we just have to deal with it. We just have to learn how to, you know, navigate. I definitely uh, feel like it's negatively affected my concentration, like the the explosion of technology. Oh, yeah. Like I remember being able to sit and read a book just for hours without uh, taking a break, and you know now I have a hard time reading five or ten pages without checking my email. Because you want to yeah. check your Facebook, and yeah. you want to check like you know whatever your like social media, and checking who's who liked the post that you you know, or who texted you or who's emailing you. It's like, it's just, it always feels, it always feels like there's something that needs to be checked just real quick. You know, like you always have to, even the news is like, yeah, yeah, even the news is like, why, what is happening now with that thing that I was following, you know, like yesterday is it's anything new. And I don't know what to say about that. I mean, it's, it, the only thing I have to say is that we need to acknowledge it and just, and just work with it. It's gonna get worse. I, I I agree with that. I my attention has become less focused. I want to jump from one thing to the next really mm-hmm. quick. Yeah, sure. And it's designed that way. They you know like if you read an article, the article is becoming shorter, and they just yeah. give you like a very like just bare bones of what was going on and you don't go into long winded uh, articles anymore you mm-hmm. don't you feel like I, I just don't I just give me what happened like I just yeah. want to know what happened I, I don't want to I don't want to read up two pages of this yeah um, if it fits mm-hmm. on my screen I'll read it yeah. if I have to scroll like three four times I'm like okay I'm bored like what's next I just swap I, I would guess probably 98% of the articles written uh, and published online, no one reads more than the headline. That, that's all that gets read, and they just share it based on, you know. Right, and what is happening now is that just based on a headline, you start tweeting or typing, and you have an emotional reaction to that. You're not actually formulating a cons- like an intelligent... Uh, based on facts, ideas. You're just reacting. Yeah. So it's keeping us in a on an emotional panic s- state, yeah. like all the time. We are not 
processing things, we're just reacting to things, and and I think that's what, uh, uh, yeah, it's like that's it's just making things harder for for everybody. And I'm just gonna put it on the context in the context of of um, uh, I don't know if we're talking about spirituality here. Yeah, in a way, right? Yeah. So. Yeah, so it's it's another challenge that we have to overcome. Um, so one of the last things that I wanted to chat about had to do with um, the relationship between ciphers and um, these uh, sorts of um, initiatory orders, um, because uh, oh, and also we had you know just briefly talked a little bit about the the early history where there was a very clear overlap between uh, the people who were involved in occultism and people who were involved in uh, espionage, John D. being the uh, prime example. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, um, so I guess there's two things to comment on there. Is one is the uh, um, relationship between occultism and, and ciphers and, you know, Gematria. Yeah, yeah. I, thought, I, thought, I thought it was very interesting because occultism is, it's, if you're, if you go to like the basics of, of occultism is basically uh, observation. Observation. You, you, you have to observe nature and the patterns in nature. Yeah, and then respond to that and construct about it, because why am I saying saying this? Because nature is a reflection of God. Okay, so the way we know God is by observing the patterns in nature. Mm-hmm. So the patterns in nature correspond to uh, undisclosed truth. So the interest in ciphering and is just how the universe is constructed. Okay. Which goes with Kabbalah. Kabbalah yeah. is a way of kind of break down the universe. It's a it's like a it's a tool for understanding the universe. And Kabbalah has a strong connection with, you know, ciphering and you know, numbers are letters and so on and so forth. So is is it comes I mean if you want to make a link it, it comes from that okay so as you're studying um, nature you, you learn what the patterns in nature are um, and so mm-hmm. yeah go ahead I was just going to remark that it seems like there are two functions there of uh, of ciphers, with one of them being decoding the messages that are uh, built into the fabric of nature of reality, and then the other one being encoding your own messages that you want to restrict who has access to whatever you know message you're trying to send to somebody. Right. 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 So, so both- well, like that, that'll be the most mundane, and like uh, perhaps. Yeah, like I'll I'll say it in. I mean, it's like there there are two different two different things that you can use, um, 
ciphering. I mean, then within when we're in we're at war, like we're in constant war now. But like, like you can look back in uh, World War Two, there were like a lot of coding, mm-hmm. messaging, you know, breaking codes, and it, it was just a constant. You know, you needed to send messages, and you need to send messages in a way that the enemy would not be able to crack. Yeah. Because that will mean that if they know where you are and what you're thinking and what you're doing, then you can't lose a town or yeah. a city or the war. So that became so important to do it right and in a way that nobody else can break it except person that is getting the message right so um, um, I don't know what to say about that I mean that's I'm, I'm kind that's, of uh, I'm kind of curious yeah. how that applies to the uh, uh, spiritual side then like why would it be necessary for God to encode messages to people why uh, couldn't there be more direct communication um, what what is the danger um, or or is or or are they just not? Knowing uh, is dangerous. Yeah. <laughs> knowing is dangerous. Knowing oh, is dangerous. It's, it's, yeah. Yeah, like 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 because I mean, it's dangerous if you're not ready for it. It goes a little bit with the where we were talking about with secrecy. Yeah. Um. You know, if you have the codes for launching. You know, the nuclear codes for launching the you know all the missiles. It's and you're not ready for that if you're if you're a crazy person that is going to push the button yeah. at any small provocation. That's you have the knowledge, you have you know how to launch this, and but you're not ready to like if your answer is just push the button. Yeah, you're not ready to carry that responsibility. No. Does that make sense? Is that it is is that putting it in the context? I don't know if I'm answering it too simplistic way, but I think it's more the more clear way. Yeah. Uh, it depends on. It's not that truth is dangerous. I think it's what is dangerous if you're not ready for it. And that's why there's mystery schools. There's mystery schools that help you kind of develop that. Um, yourself to a degree that you are you become an adult and you can make responsible decisions about yourself and about others and not acting just as a child I mean that's ideally what mm-hmm. it's all about uh, taking responsibility for 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 your spiritual uh, destiny let's just put it that way it's an interesting point because you know I have uh, explored these uh, various initiatory groups you know to some um extent and i've never gotten the impression like with freemasonry um you know i've never gotten the impression that there were any secrets that were worth all of the you know the big stink about it of keeping everything so secret like m- most recently I-, I feel like i've gotten the um 
the idea that like the secrets of Freemasonry are literally just like the passwords of the various degrees, the secret handshakes, you know, those those kinds of well, things. Well, yeah, and, but the, the, I have to say that also the ritual itself is a secret. I mean, uh-huh. I can't talk too much because I am a Mason and I have oaths about it, but I can just put it in the context of um, is goes again again goes with the idea of the important thing is how you receive things okay uh in the context of you where you're receiving it and so on and so forth i am i'm gonna go on record that i don't believe uh self-initiation um books like that's just a waste of time for people okay because you're, what's really happening there? Like you don't, you need like an uh, external agent that is going to help you with your process. Like you're always going to need somebody that is, uh, that is not you, to help you with this. Okay. When you're going through like this quote-unquote self-initiatory process, it's just you going around, telling yourself all this stuff. You're not, you're in absolute control of what is happening there. When you go through an initiatory process, you need to go exactly against that. You need to go against the idea that you're in control over what is happening. Interesting. And you don't need, you need to not know what's going to happen. Because you need that change in your psyche. And if you know what you're going to do, you're going to turn the page and you're going to see what's going on. You're going to turn the page you're going to see what's going on. You're just going to run. It's just like you're just wasting your fucking time. Yeah. You're not putting yourself in that state of not knowing and not in control. Like, you need that. So um, it's hard to talk about, you know, that it's actually, well, it's not hard. It's like it's basically... A waste of time trying yeah. to pretend that you're, you know, Doing that this is effective. So it sounds like I feel I feel like you've said, you know, uh, just a few minutes ago that uh, that the secrets of the um, these sorts of uh, organizations are often the rituals themselves. Um, and it also kind of sounds like like most of these uh, rituals I feel like have been exposed to some degree, especially in the internet, it's really difficult to keep uh, those kinds of secrets um, these days. Yeah, I understand. And, I understand. But it also kind of seems like, uh, you know, doing too extensively, you know, that kind of research, going out and reading all of the those uh, secrets on the internet could actually kind of do a little damage because now you can't have that element of surprise if you decide to well, go that's in. that's exactly yeah. what I was, uh, was going to say is that if you are uh, is this going to be posted uh, on YouTube or anywhere? Not I the mean, video. It not, doesn't matter. Yeah, but yes, the audio it will. It doesn't matter. Like, what, what I was going to say is, like, if anybody that is listening to this podcast are interested in taking initiation right. in Masonry or Golden Dawn or, I don't know, Gardnerian, Wicca, or anything like that, I recommend, I respect... Respect the process. Like, first of all, respect the process and don't waste your time. I mean, if you're really serious about this, yeah, 
just don't go through like just because right right now I mean there's like an explosion of information yeah like it was just I don't think you know in the 1500s people would gonna know that this was gonna be so available everywhere right and in a way undermines the the whole concept the whole idea but if you're interested in this just don't read it just go through the uh, initiation process take notes and experience it it's, it's meant to be lived through like you that's the gift of it is is it is doesn't make sense to read it because reading it is not going to give you anything it's just actually going to ruin the whole thing if you're going through it right if this is just going to be writing a paper or just just curious or you know like you're not really serious about it you know who cares that's fine you know i mean i'm not encouraging it because i can't encourage you to to do that i think ultimately is harmful um because you're barring yourself from a spiritual experience yeah but but um I guess my point is that just go through it. Yeah. I can understand that you're perhaps you want to be in control. So A, you want to do it, and B, you want to know what's going to happen. Yeah. So let's say I'm going to go through a Golden Dawn initiation, and I'm going to go through like an OTO initiation. I'm just scared that they're going to do something to me. Yeah. And I need to know what they're going to do. So I'm going to start my research. And I'm going to find it. And then I'm going to go to the ritual. And then I'm going to know what's going to happen. But then you're just wasting your time. You're actually taking from the experience. And it sounds like at best it has no value you know to to read those kinds of materials on the internet and at worst it can damage you if you want actually were it really if you're, if you're actually planning if you're actually planning to do it yeah if you're actually planning to do it especially this uh, if you're serious about it you're you're supposed to be put in a situation where you don't have control and you don't know what's going to happen yeah to you. yeah you can have an idea of what's going to happen yeah. Yeah. But there should be some surprises. <laughs> of course, yeah. Yeah. That's really interesting. It's really interesting also like the interplay there between um I don't know, I guess trust and paranoia, you know that uh uh all those emotions of fear of of uh uh you know when people don't know what's going on in a certain space you know, with a certain group of people, they just start projecting all of these wild fantasies about, you know, the evil that's being plotted behind closed doors. That's part, that's yeah. part of the experience. Yeah. That is part of uh, the initiatory process because you're, you're facing all your fears. You're supposed to face your fears and if, like, through ordeals is how we discover ourselves. Like putting ourselves in, like life is about this. Like life is about putting, being in a situation that you don't know where you're going to do. 
And, and when you're in that situation, that's when you discover what you're made of. I mean, this is, is initiations are basically accelerated experiences in life. It's like mm-hmm. the core dramatic experiences that you're going to go through life that make you grow. That's where it's supposed to be going through initiation. It kind of gives you, in a controlled way, they put you in situations that you are going to pretty much learn about yourself. You're going to grow. You're going to have insights about what just happened. And it kind of crack you open. Like you're kind of closed. And through a successful initiatory process, you're actually kind of like break open. And it's very hard if you're like, that's what I'm saying is like another point that I, you know, I mentioned before uh, regarding self-initiatory, you know, books that are available. Like it's just, you don't, you're so into yourself. Like you don't, you, you know what's going to happen. Like, you know, like you're not capable of doing this. You need external help. Yeah. But at the same time, I have to say that um, you have to be careful who you approach. Yeah. Uh, fortunately, I have to say this because um, it can be abused, and uh, we know that that's you know what there's there's groups that are actually harmful and they take advantage of people. So that is also part of the process of you navigating and selecting the right. People, you have to be careful too. Yeah, it's not, it's not, um, not everybody out there is, is actually doing a good job. Well, if people wanted to uh, learn more about Temple of Thelema, for example, how would they do that? You can go to thelema.org, and there is that's the website, and you can just. Go there. There's lots of information. Um, there's some publications there for free that you can download, which is I think it's a bit amazing. Um, uh, there's uh, in the continuum that was put together by uh, Phyllis Eckler uh, herself. <laughs> uh, it was basically unpublished. I mean, until that point, there were unpublished uh, papers that were given to her and uh, they're necessary for for this process and um, I highly recommend that. We also have a forum that is called heteraha.net. How do you spell that? Uh, H-E-R-U-R-A-H-A dot Did you say dot org dot net? You said dot net. Net. Yeah. Net. So it's a forum. It's pretty much the same as a classroom, and people post their um, their questions mm-hmm. and their answers, and thrown as a classroom. And in uh, Manhattan, are there any uh, events that are open to the public? in New York City? We constantly uh, have events here in New York. Uh, I was uh, Temple 
number eight. Iwas. Iwas Temple. Iwas. Yeah, okay. Iwas. Temple, temple number eight. Number eight, okay. Uh-huh. Uh, we have, I think on Facebook, we have Facebook, we have also in, on Meetup. Uh-huh, on uh, meetup.com. Uh-huh. On Meetup, you can look us as Iwas Study Group. And that's A-I-W-A-S-S? Correct. Study Group, okay. Great. I think that this... Uh... This was uh, really interesting then and uh, answered a lot of questions and, and clarified a lot about the connections between, um, you know, s uh, secret societies, initiatory orders, psychology. Um... Yeah. Thank you so much for, <laughs> thank you. for this. Well, thank you for yeah. coming on and, and uh, chatting with everybody about it. <laughs> oh, no. Nine, eight, and...